What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Here at Just Baseball, we have teamed up with BetMGM for the 2023 MLB season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use code JustBaseball, and you will get up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Step number one, download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JustBaseball. Step number two, deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. Step number three, you will receive up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. Call 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,000 first bet offer today. Baseball show is presented by BetMGM. We're talking trades today. Jack, Peter, Aram on the Just Baseball show for Friday, July 21st. We've got nine guys that we want to move. How are we going to move them? Where are we going to move them? You'll find out in a little under an hour, we hope, maybe a little over an hour. I have no idea. We're going to talk Spencer Strider kicking ass on Thursday afternoon. Shintaro Fujinami and his 12-3 through like his first 15 appearances and then like LO2s in the next 10 uh, going to Baltimore, which is really exciting. Um, I also have something non-baseball off the top that I think can be a, a total revenue generator for just baseball that I want to pick your guys' brain about. But Peter... We are, as always, presented by the King of Sportsbooks. Yes, we are. The King of Sportsbooks bet MGM sign up and deposit into your newly created account using promo code JUSTBASEBALL. Remember, if your first bet loses after you use promo code JUSTBASEBALL, you will get $1,000 back in bonus bets. It's a great time to go look at all those division futures. You know, the Orioles, right? I'm sitting on a raise ticket plus 350 to win the division. Felt really good early on, but now the Orioles are in first place the day that we are talking, and we have a three-game set. So if you think the Orioles might win that series, 
Might as well bet on them to win the division. Or if you like what the Blue Jays have been doing, not sure that you have because they've been getting their teeth kicked in by the San Diego Padres. But if you think they're going to bounce back, make sure to use code just baseball on BetMGM. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. Must be 21 or older. There you go. I've come across a gold mine, and I think that just baseball can really benefit from it. And I know that we have a good presence on TikTok. Let me introduce you to Pinky Doll, who no. is this woman. You know exactly. I, I what saw I'm that. About. I saw that. Oh, my God. She yeah. is apparently making $7,000 a day doing this. So I think if we grab one person from our staff to sit on the Just Baseball TikTok Live for five hours a day and pretend to lick ice cream when somebody sends the ice cream emoji, we could turn into a Fortune 500 company overnight. See, what I do is I jump on TikTok Live. And I run through the games of the day, kind of give them my leans. And I'm trying to actually make people money. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But I'm trying my best. She's not trying to make you money. She's just stealing your money and then pretending to lick an ice cream cone so you donate a $5 ice cream cone to a person you don't know exists. Sometimes I'll get a couple roses and shout out the people who have donated. But I think I'm lucky to come out with a TikTok Live with like eight bucks. She's pulling out five racks. So I think I actually think this is the perfect activity for Aram. I think Aram would be excellent from like two to two to five p.m., two to six p.m. every day. No, that's when people are working. He's got to get the people like no, the the people that are watching this aren't working. You're you're a night owl. No, you're a night owl, right? Just go from eleven p.m. to three a.m. Get those degenerates that are weirdly watching those streams. You could probably pull in a ton. Yeah. Yeah, you got you the eyelashes. I love the camera. You know how much I love the camera. I I, I could I could do that. But we'll we'll talk about it. Okay. We'll talk about it. I'll Good. consider it. That's going to be just baseball premium. You'll get Perfect. prospect write ups and ice cream cone liking. Wait, listen, we've never really entertained the idea of a paywall. That could be our paywall type thing. It's yeah. like, hey, we're doing our pinky doll impression behind a paywall, which would be great. I mean, have you uh, seen have you seen OnlyFans revenue in 2023? I was losing yeah. so many bets there that I was like, hey. I, I mean, I got to make money somehow. Uh, I think there's more demand for your bets. <laughs> yeah, I would assume so. Um, I would hope the- so. I would hope so. You ready for the corniest transition ever? Yes. That would be not safe for work. Spencer Strider right now is not safe for oh, work. God. That was pretty good. Grade it real quick. Six. Uh, I was going to give it a letter grade, but if we're doing an, you know what? I think that was a strong eight and a half. Not oh, nine, nice. but clever. Perfect. Thank you. Our arm was very like passive with the six. I was expecting like a two or a three from him. So six is great. Spencer Strider. We just watched a sequence. He's got nine punch outs through four as we hit the record button against Arizona in Atlanta. And right before we hopped on, we just watched a sequence to open the top of the fourth inning. Cattell Marte first pitch at the top of the fourth. 109 off the bat the other way. Acuna had like his play card, like sitting in the heel of his glove, and he was on a dead sprint. It was a really good effort by Acuna. Hit off the edge of his glove, you know, kind of sat at the base of the wall. Cattell Marte with a leadoff triple, first pitch of the fourth inning. Strider then strikes out Corbin Carroll and makes him look like a low A ball player. He strikes out Christian Walker, makes him look like a minor leaguer. And then he strikes out Dominic Canzone, who is up from AAA, looked like a AAA guy. Strider, they were talking about it on Brandon Gauden and his partner were talking about it on Bally Sports South. And 
you know, the Braves' modern era record for K's in a season is Smoltz at 267. Strider's going to blow past that. And I know we did this exercise, Peter, with Ryan Finkelstein. Yeah. Like this guy is striking out 14 per nine in his career. I know he's gotten blown up at points, but the best version of Spencer Strider looks like the best pitcher I've ever seen in my life. He does do that to us sometimes. I mean, right now, five innings, two hits, 12 Ks against the Diamondbacks, who are no slouch offensively, who won the first two games against the Braves, right? We we see the Braves as these juggernauts who can never lose, who are on pace for a 108-game season, 108 wins. And the Diamondbacks come in there, and they're feisty. But then sometimes you get Strider when he's feeling good, and he does look like the best pitcher alive. The problem is that the start before, he got run up on by the White Sox. He's been a little bit more inconsistent this season, and I think it has a lot to do with his velocity. But when you see, and I think I talked about this, there was one game where I faded Spencer Strider in some form of facet. I took an over or something, and it was based on Strider's velocity dipping below like 96. It wasn't the typical 98-99 at the top of the zone. But then he threw his first pitch at 99 in that game that I bet on. Of course I lost it, because when Strider has that, it's unbelievable. So I kind of grimaced when you said I could he could beat John Smoltz's 267Ks. Not because he can't rack up that many Ks. It's just, will the innings be there for him? But in terms of a per inning, he's going to blow past John Smoltz. If he threw as many innings as John Smoltz did in that season, which I assume was what, in the 220s? He'd be well over 300 strikeouts at this pace. It's just... In this day and age, arm our old man thoughts. In this day and age, pitchers yeah. don't go past the fifth or the sixth inning. Yeah. Like right now, Strider's got five innings, 12 Ks. His pitch count is getting up there right now. Oh, he's still at 72 pitches. He might just throw, he might have 20 strikeouts this game as we're speaking right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's for me, even more than the velocity, I feel like it's like, the command of the fastball. There's some days Bats. where he just gets, he just gets launched on. Like it's really about the home runs. 12 of his 14 home runs this year have come on the fastball. And if you look at the spots, uh, the majority of them are are right down the middle. And then the ones that, you know, kind of were just freak swings. One was a Miggy swing that I have no idea how he did that. It was that, that one that was off the plate inside. And then a couple just guys that cheated on, on elevated fastballs and in, in, in hitters counts. So for the most part, it's either a guy cheats in a hitters count and gets it, or it's missing middle. And the vast majority of his home runs are just, fastballs that miss middle so that's really it and, and that's the crazy thing is as long as he keeps the ball in the yard like he's going to give you a quality start and it just seems like when he's one of those guys to the point of being the most dominant when he's locked in it just seems like it's futile to even try it just it, there's there's few guys that make hitters look as silly as spencer strider makes them look the, yeah. the only thing, Arma, and I totally agree with you, I think it is more fastball command than straight-up velocity. The thing is, when he has 99, I feel like he can get away with middle-middle fastballs. Like, I've seen him definitely, just blow past. Yeah, so it's like when he's 96 and the command isn't there, that's when he really can get blown up. But when he's 99, he can miss middle and still get away with it. But these are big league hitters who can hit a bullet. So. And, and the thing is, I, I think when he is 99, if you close your eyes and think about Spencer Strider fastballs, you're probably viewing like, Hey, top of the zone, he's getting swings underneath it, 99, 98 upstairs. But to, to Aram's point, like this guy is so freaking good when it comes to east to west mm -hmm. and north to south as well. 
Like I see so many 98s dotted on the lower outside corner to lefty bats. It's incredible from him when he's right. But when he's not right, it's down the dick and it's bombs away. Um, Courtesy of StatMuse, top 10 in a single season for Ks per nine among qualified pitchers. Strider in 2023 would have if the season ended today. And this is before this start against Arizona on Thursday, the 20th. 14.3 Ks per nine would be the major league record. Shane Bieber in 2020 is two. 2020 yeah, throw it out. Yeah, it doesn't count. Garrett Cole in 2019 with Houston, 13.8 Ks per nine. That was like out of body experience the entire year. Jacob DeGrom in 2020, throw it out the window. Randy Johnson in 2001, Pedro Martinez in 99, Chris Sale in 17, Scherzer in 19. Like that's the company that Strider's in in year two of his major league career. And it is the start that Doc Gooden had. I know that we weren't alive for Doc Gooden, but this is what I think the old heads of baseball fandom were experiencing when they experienced Doc Gooden. They saw a guy that was on the trajectory to become one of the greatest K-Men of all time. And I, it sucks, like I'm going to bring him up, but I think that's exactly the, the feeling that I had when watching Jose Fernandez and Aram. I'm sure that's the same thing that you felt too. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was another one of those guys that when he was on, it was like, good luck. And it was, it was must-see TV. It's, like funny. It, it's exactly what Strider is. Yeah, you just laugh at, at the pitches that he's making. It's just, it's, it, there's a different level and there's just like this, this laughable factor that certain, like just of the top, top arms in the game reach to Grom, of course, one of those guys too, that it's hard to put it into words, but it's just like, this guy's doing something that few can. And, and Strider, when he's on, he's, he's one of those guys on the mound. And yeah, I also want so, to shout out just um I know we're uh we're talking a lot about Strider, but in that game right now, end of the fifth, it is still zero zero because Zach Gallen, mm-hmm, who's Gallen's right now the front runner for the National League Cy Young, is also shoving against one of the best offenses that we've seen in the last half decade. And another guy, Corbin Burns, just continues to dominate, won four straight games for the Brewers. Yeah. And with him, again, earlier in the season, his his cutter velocity was down and and so were a lot of his different pitches. It did didn't have the same zip that it normally does past four starts cutter velocity right back up to 95 and right now he is in the midst of a very good start against the Phillies um I just looked at there was a runner on first base and then I scrolled down two outs immediate double play I mean when he's on I still think he's one of the best pitchers on the planet too this day in baseballs we're recording during the day games on Friday like even Andrew Abbott right now is shoving against the Giants just good pitching you put out a great uh tweet on uh Twitter Jack about uh with I think you should leave. And what I should mention about that, I have gotten more DMs saying I don't need to watch it. It's not as funny as people are saying. Mm, it's a very really? polarizing show because people are saying it's not funny at all. But I also oh. also gotten a couple DMs of people saying you have to watch it. It's the funniest thing I've ever watched. So the YouTube comments say otherwise. I saw a couple of YouTube comments saying you got to watch it. Um, I will tell you, my mom, my girlfriend hate it. My dad and my brother love it with a burning passion. I have several friends that hate it. I have several friends that love it. So it's not it's not a cheeseburger. Like nobody is going to have like a passive reaction to it. It is very black and white. Arm kind of has a passive to cheeseburgers, uh, at least. No, I, yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. It's it's fun, but like I'm not I'm not one of those like I'm not Jack with with I think you should leave. I'm one of the rare like it but don't love it guys. Like. 
I enjoy yeah. putting it on, but I got to be in a certain mood. That's for sure. Yeah. So I had no personality before that. So I just kind of viewed that show as a chance to give myself a little bit of personality and, and I've ran with it. So that's awesome. That's what I got going on. Um, Spencer Strider, generational talent, Tim Robinson, generational talent, Shintaro Fujinami, generational talent. And now he's the seventh inning guy for the eh, sixth inning guy for the Baltimore <laughs> Orioles. Like, what's he going to do here? Um, I thought this was a good move for Baltimore. I really did. Cause you know, Fuji, I think people were quick to make fun of him because he's got an ERA in the eights, but it was also pretty overblown that like, Oh, over his last 14 appearances, he has a, he has like nearing a sub two ERA, like a very low twos. And, you know, he's striking out 25% of guys and he's walking 8% versus like, you know, 20 compared to 12% walk rate and a 12 ERA. Uh, through his first, you know, 16 appearances. I I think it's somewhere in the middle. Like you can't expect lights out setup man, Shintaro Fujinami. But I thought this was a really good middle relief pickup for Baltimore down the stretch. Yeah, yeah just I'll, I'll, oh, no, go, ahead, yeah, go ahead, Peter. No, I was just going to read you um, the stats because you mentioned at the at the top of the episode, um, his stats through like his first 18 games and last 16 games. Foolish Baseball put it out. So in his first 18 games, remember, he's a three-time All-Star in the MPB, but he came over and looked like the worst pitcher that's ever towed the rubber. Because he was a starter. Yeah, 12-1-9 ERA, 20% K rate, 15% walk rate. But then in his last 16 games, 2-4-5 ERA, 26% K rate, 8% walk rate. Location has been much better. It's just (laughs) Orioles fans looking for Dylan Cease, and you got Shintaro Fujidabi instead. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I do I do like the move because they literally gave up nothing. They gave up Easton Lucas, who's like, you know, a, a quadruple A depth arm. Was, kind was of guy. he Pepperdine? I have no idea. All I know is that Easton Lucas was drafted by the Marlins, traded for Jonathan VR, who was then traded for my friend Griffin Conine. Um, so indirectly was the first domino of bringing Griff to the Marlins. But Lucas is is throwing well this year, but he's kind of like a lefty crafty reliever. Like you throw him in in a spot start, maybe two. Like it, it really was, I think, a dump of salary for the Oriole or for the A's. I think they they wanted to give Fujinami a shot, see how it looks. Turns out he's just a reliever. It's a one year deal. Go get a a forty man arm, and that's exactly what they did. But for Fuji, he has not walked a batter in ten outings, which is saying a lot because he walked a lot of batters prior to that. 12 Ks, no walks in his last 10 appearances. The, the stuff looks good. His fastball is average 99.8 miles per hour. The splitter averages 93 to 94 over that last 10 start span. Like if it all clicks for this guy, and we know the Orioles have had a little bit of a reliever lab going, like Fuji could be a nice little pickup for them here down, down the stretch. Uh, I was right. 14th round pick at a Pepperdine in 19 Easton Lucas. I got to get a fucking life, man. I shouldn't know that. Um, I, I like it, and I saw Yenier Cano suck in St. Paul last year. And when he had that, like, crazy start to the end, he's an all-star with a sub, too. I, I don't know. It was shocking at the beginning, but then you see what Bautista has turned into at the age of, what, 27 was his rookie year last year. Uh, Cano is 30, and he's kicking ass like this, 29-30. Like, Fujinami can absolutely capture some of that magic and being on a good team, I feel like might help guys. I don't know. Like that's, that's just a thought there. Um, So I, I did like that pickup. You mentioned it's nothing. They didn't have to give up any of that world-class farm 
they can still go add shit. My only worry is it's the Orioles. You know, Fuji's going to make what four and a half for the rest of this year, maybe four for the rest of this year. That's How four million dollars. Like they're feeling it. He signed one year nine, right? I think it's three three the rest of the way. Is it three point three the rest of the way? My worry, just while you guys look up the contract stuff, is that the Orioles are going to keep being the Orioles and not trade anybody and not get the big-time starter at the deadline. It was one year, 3.25. So they're literally paying him like a million dollars the rest of the year. They will feel that too. Who did I confuse (laughs) him with one year nine? I don't know. I have no idea. It's so weird. Um, Yeah, man. Like, I don't know. They would have to pay Otani 12. (laughs) That's my worry. (laughs) Yeah. Is it, but are you are you guys feeling kind of the same thing as me where the Orioles have all these prospects but then just continue to not get the big fish at the deadline? Like, do you guys really truly think that this is finally the year where they add the big piece? Because I just keep having my doubts, and it's based on past history. Maybe they do it finally, but after the Fujinami deal, I was like, are we just in the same thing? And it's not like the Orioles absolutely need to add an arm. It would be incredibly impactful, and they should, but they're not in dire need of one. And uh, they're probably just looking at their system being like, I think we're fine right now, and the window's just going to continue to open, and we don't need to add a Dylan Cease, right? We don't need to add a Shane Bieber. We don't need to add even a Lucas Giolito. I just keep having those thoughts of, we always expect the Orioles to do it, and then they never actually do it. You know the last time, do you know the last time Baltimore won the American League East? (laughs) It's been a while. But Shout out Orioles fans are in first place. They're probably loving it right now. The birdbath in right field is electric. Th- that's my answer. La- last time is 14. Like, if you are on the cusp of doing something you haven't done since 2014, I think now is the time they push their chips in. I agree. Yeah. That makes logical sense. Right? But Well, here, here's the thing, though, is, is what's out there. If Dylan Cease indeed is not available, which is, we've talked about that, that's insane to me, but if he's not available... Giolito doesn't really move the needle. Um, Jaymont might. I think Jaymont's a guy that could move the needle. But then you're looking at the rental market. That really the only controllable pitcher that can help you this year is Dylan Cease that I can think of. Like, is Aaron Savali gonna gonna do that much for you if you're the Orioles? Especially now with Bieber's forearm thing going on. Well, Stroman's a rental. Stroman's a rental, but that's a rental that I think can make sense. I think what we're gonna end up seeing the Orioles do is just get the highest prized rental which would be stroman and or jaymont i think if they go get stroman could kind of be an audition too because i do think they're going to spend a little bit this offseason because they have their core locked up for very cheap with control for a while and they can go out now if they like stroman they can they can extend him uh they can you know probably give him a nice offer and keep him around and now they've got their they're probably most consistent and ace so so to speak even though he's not truly an ace that's a good start i I think they do something like that i think they should call on cease and try but if he's not available what else is there There, there's just not really any other impactful frontline options out there yeah i i think that's a good transition into what we want to you know talk about for the next you know 40 45 minutes or so is uh you know trade destinations for guys and we each have three i've got um Eduardo Rodriguez, I've got Marcus Stroman and Tim Anderson. Peter, which three you got? I have Shohei Otani. I have Lucas Giolito. And then I'm trying to cook up something with the Cardinals. 
um, and the Giants because they're just such a good match for each other. And that's more of a workshop. I have a huge galaxy brain um, trade that I sent in the group chat, got immediate two laugh emojis. So I'm probably going to get laughed off the podcast for it. But I just got something that makes sense. So I want to workshop a Cardinals-Giants trade. But then, of course, I have a Giolito trade and an Otani trade. Gotcha. That wasn't a joke? It wasn't a joke. It, we're, we're talking galaxy brain. I mean, yeah, you're save right. That Nothing one, ever that one for last. ever happened in Major League Baseball. Save that one for last because if you do get laughed off the podcast, like it, it'll come at the very end. So we get your other two. I bet if I you know, mentioned, hey, I think Max Scherzer and Trey Turner are going to get included in the same deal. At the time, it might be funny. We're just talking trades. We're just talking sure. trades. We'll, 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 get, we'll get to that one. Um, I'm going to highlight Dylan Carlson and Jamont. And then I have a third one that I'm, I, I have a couple that I'm deciding between, depending on how the conversation goes, I'll, I'll pick the third one. Got you. Um, I think mine are probably the least sexy. I can start with Erod if you want, and then we can just kind of go clockwise, or we can knock mine out, Peter's out, then arms out if you want. Yeah. Why don't you start? Okay. Um, I, so I'm looking at Eduardo Rodriguez, obviously lefty with the Tigers. And, you know, he is one of the better rentals. And he just had a really good start earlier this week. I think Erod is a guy that is is upping his price, possibly, on the rental market. I still don't think he's going to be that impressive. Um, I think Erod makes a ton of sense for the Houston Astros. Mm. And I want to figure out a way to get Erod to Houston. I know that there was a rumor going around about, you know, Dylan Cease being the Astros' number one priority. Like, no, I don't think they have the farm to do that, especially with the control, but they have the farm to go get a rental Erod. I think they can honestly do a one for one here. Mm. Arm, tell me if it's outlandish right now. And like, this could be the Astros just bullying the Tigers and dominating this trade. If the Tigers were smart, I think I would start the conversation by asking for for Clifford, for Ryan Clifford, for yep. Erod. Um, I don't know if they're going to do that. I trust Scott Harris to ask for Ryan Clifford. Do you think a Melton for Eduardo Rodriguez deal straight up gets it done or no? Um, it, I think it could. People people really – I like Melton a lot too, and I know people within the Astros org. I was, what are we just talking about? These guys – today as i've been kind of finalizing the top 100 and also getting working on the astros top 10 i, I think that would get it done like I, Mel, melton's pretty darn good uh and, and pretty well loved within that org uh so yeah i i think i think that could do it okay what do you think of the erod fit in houston peter i love the erod fit in houston right they go down with luis garcia they need starting pitching like Brandon Bielak, I don't think is the answer long term. Ronel Blanco, I don't think is the answer long term. You don't think These so? Are, no, I don't think so. And this isn't our normal Astros team where we're used to, where it's you know Verlander and and you know Framber as the two, and then Christian Javier throwing no hitters. Christian Javier has really struggled this season. Like this is an Astros team where we're not really used to them really needing starting pitching, and it's not like oh a starting pitching. You know, a starting pitcher would just be a cherry on top of the Sunday. This is a team that at this point is desperate for starting pitching with the decline of Christian Javier. So I think they absolutely need Eduardo Rodriguez. And I think Scott Harris can say, 
we know that you need Eduardo Rodriguez. We're going to need a little bit more. We're going to need you to overpay. And like you said, I'm confident Scott Harris's ability not to get bullied here, right? When he traded Gregory Soto, he certainly didn't get bullied. And he's a good GM, right? We just haven't seen it quite on the field yet. Even though the Tigers have performed above expectations, I think they're going to get a decent haul for Erod. But at the same time, I think the Astros are a perfect fit there. All right, do we want to snake it? Somebody want to go? I'll go. Okay. Go ahead. Um, so I was looking at trades for Lucas Giolito because I think Dylan Cease, right now I think it's like 50-50. You think that's fair? 50-50 he gets traded? It's almost like a coin flip at this point. With the socks in aptitude, I'd say 30-70 he gets traded. Like, like 30, no, yeah, yeah, 30, 30, no, 70, or no, no sorry, 30, 30 yes, yes. yeah, 30, yeah, I yes, think it's 70, no. very unlikely. I think they're going to just sit on on the most valuable asset, which is so fucking crazy. Of course they would. But I at this point, I think it's 98 to 98 being yes, that Lucas Giolito at least gets traded. So I look yes. back last year, um, who's a team that could really use a bullpen arm? and use a starter on top of it. And I look back, so remember when the Cardinals acquired Jose Quintana and Chris Stratton in exchange for Yohan Oviedo and a third base prospect? Malcolm Nunez. Malcolm Nunez. So I was looking at, okay, two prospects, or Oviedo wasn't really a prospect, but he was a good young starting pitcher who at least made his debut so far. Yeah, Yeah, tweener, exactly. So who's a team with a couple of tweeners right now who also have a good farm system that could use that. So my prediction is Lucas Giolito and Kenyon Middleton to the Dodgers for Emmett Sheehan and then another piece, most likely. Now, the second prospect, I don't think it has to be crazy because Sheehan is, you know, he's a 23-year-old starter who does have good stuff and Aram raves about the Tulsa Drillers. But I was thinking maybe you add a Landon Knack on top of it and call it a deal. So I'm going to say Sheehan's too good for that. Sheehan's not a tweener. Sheehan's like a big part of what the Dodgers want to do moving forward. Um, I'm curious how low the stock is for Gavin Stone. I feel like Stone might not even be good for that. But Sheehan, I think, is like not untouchable like if they have to go get if they have to go depart with Sheehan for Otani they're going to do it but I think for a guy like Giolito for a rental I don't think they want to move Sheehan at all the thing is like I wonder who they value more Stone or Sheehan because I'm looking at Sheehan and you know he's had a bumpy start to the season he still is young but so is Gavin Stone and these guys these rookie pitchers are going to go through their ups and downs early I personally think and and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong of the top starting pitchers that they have, is she in the guy that they would be most likely willing to move? Because you are getting a guy in Lucas Giolito who has had a really good year, very similar to Jose Quintana in that sense where Quintana was around a 3-5 ERA, one of the better rentals at the deadline, very similar to Giolito. Then they got Stratton, but we're throwing in Middleton, who's been a great reliever. Maybe to sweeten the deal, they go with Kendall Graveman. Right, they go with a very good reliever in order to get Sheehan, but the Dodgers just have an embarrassment of riches of just really good young starting pitchers. So I thought Sheehan might be the odd man out in this equation, but I feel like that recipe of one of these young starting pitchers on the Dodgers plus a 
maybe Landon Knack is too much. Maybe like a 20 to 30th ranked prospect, maybe someone even outside would make the deal for a Lucas Giolito and a big time reliever. Yeah, I, I I think they could put it together with some of those young guys. I definitely want to keep Sheehan. Uh, I think he might be their best arm right now of the of that group. But they have who is that Mac, group that you're who's just that group that you're talking about? Probably Pepeo. Miller, Stone, Sheehan, Pepio. Well, besides Miller, Miller's in his own. Miller's yeah. graduated, starting pitcher, pitches every fifth day. He's 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 separated himself very quickly. I think Sheehan, Stone, then you have Knack, you have Frosso, you have you have all those guys kind of in that range. Kyle Hurt, you have I would I would think that they could just part with one or two of any of those guys and and get it done. I don't think they need to move Sheehan, but like to Peter's point, just a couple of the the really solid double A to triple A starters, one or in a flyer. And you could probably get it done uh, because those guys are all throwing really well and and have pretty good value right now um, from that double A AA and triple A area. That's why I like workshopping it. So do you think like a Pepio and a Knack for Giolito and Kendall Graveman? Do we have a deal? Do we have a deal like between Knack, Rick Hahn and Andrew Friedman? Knack and Hurt, I think, would get it done. I think. I Jack, do you think that's go, enough? Yes, I okay. do. I. I think that we overestimate the price of rentals. Um, Could be. Because it is two months. Like, it's two months and you've got, like, if you move Keenan Middleton, you got two months of Keenan, you got two months of Giolito going to LA. Like, you're swapping, I, I guess, 12 years of service for four months of, you know, help. So you got to view it in that way. I think if they were to move Giolito and Middleton, I don't think they need Graveman. If they were to go Giolito and Middleton, I, I think something like Frasso and and Knack could get it done. Yeah, fair enough. I like that. Okay. Yeah, that'd be Arm. great. That'd be great for the White Sox too. Honestly, I think so. Yeah, they need they need warm bodies in that system. We've talked about that. <laughs> that can throw. Yes. Um, I was watching the Twins yesterday. I know Peter was too, <laughs> and they're a frustrating team for a lot of reasons. We've talked about. We just talked about it on the last episode. But their rotation right now is unbelievably good. I mean, it's just been steady and consistent. Kenta Maeda now is throwing really well now that he's healthy. Six and a third of nine K is two runs. So you've got the the, the best producing in terms of F4 rotation in baseball. And then you've got a lineup that strikes out with, with the worst of them. And then also really struggles against left-handed pitching. They're the second worst WRC plus against left-handed pitching. Byron Buxton can't play center. They're playing Michael A. Taylor out there. They're playing Willie Castro out there. They're like platooning them. It's yeah. gross. I think they need to go get Dylan Carlson. And Carlson, you know, he's not fully becoming the player that we wanted him to be, but he's still 24. But the big reason why I like him is he can play an everyday center field. He is way better from the right side, which is interesting. So he would definitely help with those platoon splits. And even if you want to you know, give him some days off, you know, against some good righties, you can do that, but I still think he helps them a ton. 142 WRC plus in his career against left-handed pitching. He's been really good against left-handed pitching again this year. The Twins, their rotation's pretty locked up for a while. Cardinals want pitching. Twins have plenty of arms that, you know, I don't think they have to worry about in the rotation. Plus, they're going to get Chris Paddock back, you know, pretty soon, um, which is a decent arm that just adds to the fold. So I think they could put together some sort of package around 
Louis Varland, who instantly could be a rotation option for uh, the miserable Cardinals pitching situation. And then you added David Festa, who threw in the Futures game, who I actually think that they were kind of pushing in the Futures game to, to show. Really nasty yeah. stuff. Big time upside. You throw in a, a third flyer piece, you know, a lower level piece. And, and I think that could be enough for Carlson, given that he's good. He has three years of control, but I think his values never really been lower. And the Cardinals have made it clear that their plan is to put him on the bench potentially once Tyler O'Neill comes back, which would even further deplete his value. So I think Varlin Festa and a piece could get it done. Before last week, I would have said that that is like you still need to add more on a Minnesota side to get Carlson. But after what we've heard from Ali Marmol, like you don't need to add more. It feels like they might just let him go to you for Misael Urbina, who's got like a 550 OPS in high A right now. So I, I like that move a lot. The fact that that guy is already being looked at by damaged goods or as damaged goods by his own team is despicable on. Ali Marmol is like on the hottest of hot seats ever. And only half of it has to do with what happens between the lines. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That guy just needs to shut up. Honestly, sometimes honestly, like, dude, like he's, he's the most immature major league manager I've seen in years. Just rips dudes like that, that all have like pros, pros reputations to everybody loves Dylan Carlson. Everybody loves Tyler O'Neill. Like, Wilson Contreras, another story. Yeah. Totally. But, that like it's it's shocking to me because they kind of get the same treatment as Wilson in, in a lot of ways. But just uh going back to the twins side of it, twins fans have to be hurting talking about making trades at the deadline. Like, do they trust their general manager after trading away Spencer Steer and Christian Encarnacion Strand for Tyler Malley? But at the same time, that's a trade that makes a ton of sense for them. And the twins are such an interesting team because when they're hitting which they are right now. They're having a pretty great series against the Mariners, and it's carried over since the All-Star break. They're hitting home runs. Edward Julien is fantastic. Max Kepler is finally hitting again. You know, even from top to bottom, like Willie Castro has been hitting for them. And when Willie Castro in the seven hole is hitting, this team looks incredible. Because, Arm, you talk about the pitching, right? You can go down the line, and every day, from top to bottom, all the way down from Joe Ryan down to Kent Maeda, you can get an ace-type performance. It's Kenta Maeda versus Luis Castillo. And guess who outdueled who? Kenta Maeda. Yeah. Like, that's what yeah. they can do every fifth day. But when they aren't hitting, and they're striking out at a 30% rate, you're like, it doesn't even matter what they get from their pitching staff. But when they are hitting, it's a really, really good team. And they could use just another boost of a guy who doesn't strike out every yeah. at-bat and is good against left-handed pitching because that's also been their problem. Now, when they're striking out, their problems are, are against everyone. But also Carlson adds that element of defense too. And Varland ranks really high in like stuff plus metrics because he's got really good stuff. He just hasn't fully put it together yet. I just feel like knowing what the Cardinals have done with their pitching development, like do they get him and do they unlock something? Or does he just continue to be kind of meh? And no matter what, the Twins end up just getting the best of the deal. Because I think we know at this point, Dylan Carlson is not damaged goods. He's just a good player who struggled a little bit last season when I think he was going through an injury. Yeah. And I think he's everything they need to, like Peter said, like just a glue guy that yeah. they need, they need something in the middle of all these, all these big whiffs and big boppers. And they need somebody that they can kind of just put out there in the outfield, not have to really think about it. And if that guy's even your nine hitter as like a second leadoff, he's in a position where he can thrive. I think he needs a change of scenery. I really do think it'll be beneficial for him to just get out of St. Louis 
And I, I think he'll thrive. I really do. You know, he feels super marshy. He feels super Brandon Marshy. Mm. Yep. And Brandon Marsh was, he was hitting ninth in the World yeah. Series. Was he not? Yeah. I think it was eighth or ninth. Like, he is totally Brandon Marsh of this year. So yeah. I, I think that's pretty spot on. Real quick before we move on, have you noticed what all the older announcers are calling Edouard Julien? They're what? calling him Eddie Julian. Because like they don't want to learn how to say it like with a French twang at all. Like Edouard Julien is like pretty easy to say, but they're just like, oh yeah, American baseball name, Eddie Julian. Yeah, Eddie but Julian. Eddie Julian sounds like he could play for like the 1920 Philadelphia A's or something. Ex- like Eddie exactly. Julian takes the play, gets up to the plate with like enormous wool pants. Right. I like Eddie Julian though. I, I I think we should just call him by his name and like how you're supposed to say his name. I um, okay. I'm going to take you guys to Marcus Stroman. I saw that the Rays are, quote, doing their homework on Stroman. And I want to attach some sort of idea to this because I think that is a perfect fit. Um, it was not like Morosi or Heyman that was saying, like, oh, Rays have checked in. It was Patrick Mooney and Sahad of Sharma who covered the Cubs for the Athletic. And they said it like in a podcast conversation, they said the Rays, you know, could have interest in Bellinger and Stroman, but they've done their homework on, on Marcus Stroman. And I, I think that's a good fit because the Rays need availability in the rotation so bad. You think about how volatile that rotation is, how talented it is, but how volatile, like they should be clamoring for Zach Eflin 2.0. And I think that's Stroman. I think Stroman embodies reliability. He embodies six innings per start seven innings per start of two run ball. He's going to roll ground balls. He's going to strike out, you know, five guys in seven innings. And and he's going to give you an opportunity to win. If you have a good offense, we also know that they can deal with those loud personalities. We already saw the Wander Franco thing pop up and and they took care of it in a very quiet way. In a non Ali Marmol way, they took care of an immature Wander Franco moment. I think they can handle a guy that like, you know, has, you know, it has loud actions in the clubhouse in Stroman. So I think that this rental fit is perfect for a team that just needs good pitchers in the starting rotation consistently. I also think he wants to win. You know, you see that. I mean, talk about a guy that always just rises to the occasion on the big stage. I, th- I think they're going to get, you're already getting a really good version of Stroman right now, but I think you get the best out of Stroman. Uh, yeah. if he's pitching meaningful baseball games for the Rays and he's going to hit free agency. That's the kind of guy that I could see the, the Rays paying uh, because it's not going to be out of this world money. And honestly, I know Stroman just kind of wants to hunker down in one more place and kind of play his days out there from everything I've, I've, I've seen him say what better place than a, a team that's perpetually in, 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 I would say in the hunt and, and pretty competitive and, that's for a guy that has kind of struggled to play for competitive teams over the last couple of years. Can I give you a one for one idea? Aranda? No. Basabe. I think that's enough. Basabe might not be enough. Basabe and Meisner. Basabe and Meisner. <laughs> it's just uh, Cubs fans aren't going to be excited with that return for Marcus Stroman, considering he has more years of control. No, he, he really no. doesn't, though. He's got a player option. He'll opt out. He might opt out. It's a good point. He will opt out. He will. Yeah. 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 Hmm. It's a rental. I know, but uh, God, that's just such a boring return. But it might it might be the answer. But I know it's Cubs fans, be... if they were to get rid of Marcus Stroman when they're still 
somewhat in it in the division. You know, the Reds there, they went on that cold streak where the Milwaukee Brewers kind of bullied them a little bit. And then the Brewers themselves have their own issues, but they've been playing much better baseball. Like if the Cubs were to trade their ace, even though I think Justin Steele at this point is their ace, but Steele is coming off a really rough outing against the Red Sox, but that doesn't take anything away from his ace status. But one of their aces, like kind of arm said, like, would is Manzardo too much? Like, we got to give Cubs fans, you know, something shiny for Strowman at least. I don't know. I mean, rental season, man. I know. I think Sabe and Willie Vasquez. Ugh. (laughs) I mean, they need to clear. They need to clear a forty spot. So that that's the thing. So I think it's got to be either Basabe, Bruhan, Aranda, Rene Pinto would probably be of interest. They could use some catching help uh, along with Amaya, but I think they should they should just play Amaya more. I think Aranda. And and a and another piece, Aranda and Blake Hunt or something like that is is good enough. Aranda they can plug right in right away. They they just need bats, and he's a guy that can obviously swing it, and he's big league ready. Okay, I know <sighs> it's sad. I know it's underwhelming. I know Peter. you're giving it's us just... like this di- disappointed, dejected look right now. No, because I feel for Cubs fans. It's you know they're they're a tough team to evaluate because they're not out of it, but they're not in it either. And to trade Strowman and not get like if I'm the Cubs personally Junior and I'm Kevin trading Darrow. Strowman. No, yeah, I mean Junior Cavadaro would be fucking amazing. Not him, but like I would like at least a Manzardo. That's a drastic overpay. I would like I would happen. rather have like one top like one great prospect rather than like three decent ones, which may just end up not doing it. And maybe I'm just hoping for more. That's probably where I'm coming from more than yeah. like the actual what makes sense. But I'm just saying if I'm a Cubs fan and I'm trading Marcus Stroman, I want one of the best prospects you can give me rather than two like decent ones. Maybe one ends up being a big leaguer. Like I want one great piece. But it is a rental because he will yeah. opt out. It's just a tough situation is what I'm trying to say. So tell me, let, let's play again. I'm going to run through like the – high price pieces in the in the Rays system. Yeah. And Arm, you tell me if Eric Neander hangs up the phone if <laughs> if Jed Hoyer asks for this. Manzardo. Hang up. Is he hanging up for Stroman yes. straight up? Absolutely. They traded Absolutely. Joe Ryan for Nelson Cruz. Anything can happen. Yeah, but they didn't know that that was coming with Joe Ryan. They and it was a 40 man crunch. Yeah, uh, but they're on a 40 man crunch right now too. But that's not a 40 man player. True. Yeah. Curtis Mead. Fuck no. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Camonero, hang up immediately. Uh, Camonero, I'm blocking. Yes. Never um, make a good trade again. Carson Williams. No. Xavier Isaac. Dude. We, we need exactly. To- so then the next options are Mason Montgomery, Oslavis Basabe, our Cole Wilcox, like – Basabe, I think, is the best of the bunch, and he plugs in immediately. Basabe is a triple-A guy that can play third, short, and second. You've got Dansby out right now. You need a third baseman of the future because it looks like Morrell is not good enough at third base to play third base. I think Basabe is the answer here. Yeah, I guess if I'm Jed Hoyer, I'm just like, is it enough? I might just try to extend him then. 
Yeah, maybe they will. They had their opportunity. Yeah. But they won't. They don't want to pay him. Yeah, they came out and said that they are probably not going to extend it by the deadline, which makes us think he's going to get traded. This is a weird spot. Fine. It we'll is. trade the 11th ranked prospect for, for Marcus <laughs> Stroman. <laughs> All right, Peter, who's your next one? So I'll end with the Otani trade. Let's workshop my galaxy brain one. Um, so when I look at the Giants, a report came out that Farhan Zaidi is going to be an aggressive buyer. Now, I don't know if I fully buy the report um, because the Giants are really smart. They know what they're doing. But there was a report that came out that the Giants are going to be aggressive buyers. And I don't see why not. The Dodgers aren't exactly the same juggernaut that they once were. We're seeing Julio Arias decline right before our eyes. We're seeing him get beaten the hell up by the Baltimore Orioles, which, in to the Orioles' credit, have a great offense. But this has been continuous starts of a guy who finished second in NL Cy Young voting, who's now rocking an ERA in the mid fours. And it's not looking like it's getting any better. It may by the end of the season, but right now it's not. They have issues. The Diamondbacks, again, we talk about a team that I think is due for regression. Are they going to run away with the division? Probably not. They're a great team. They'll probably end up making the playoffs, but you know they're not perfect. So the Giants, I think, see a reasonable window of making the playoffs. So I understand being aggressive buyers. But I think their main issue right now is the bats, right? They're getting production from guys, but one through nine in their offense, like when you get down to the six hitters, it just gets a little bit boring down there. And I know the Cardinals would be willing to part with bats. And when I look at a giant system, I see a lot of really, really good arms. So my galaxy brain was thinking, well, the Cardinals want to get rid of a guy, not get rid, but they're willing to trade a guy like Tyler O'Neill, And they have Mason Wynn coming up the pipeline. I don't know how much longer they're going to stick with Paul DeYoung. I know he's available too. So I was trying to workshop a trade, a big-time trade, with Tyler O'Neill and Paul DeYoung heading to San Francisco because Brandon it's Crawford like an oxymoron. again. Sorry? That's like an oxymoron. What, a big what time trade with Paul DeYoung and Tyler O'Neill headed to San Francisco. I think that's a big time trade. Paul DeYoung is is having a pretty solid season for the Cardinals this year, and it's Tyler O'Neill has a has a lot of upside to him. I does, think that's does a, he like? Do, do people even still look at him like that at this point anymore? I, I watched him get blown up by Kyle Nicholas and Triple a couple days ago. All right, so maybe it's not a big time trade. I still think it's a pretty sizable deal. Yeah, no, I you're getting two big leaguers that play every day. Exactly. So, and they could use some outfield help and they could use some infield help. So I'm just trying to workshop what kind of prospects would be going over in a deal like that. Yeah. Cause maybe it's not a blockbuster. Maybe people are more down on Tyler O'Neill, but maybe he just needs a change of scenery. Maybe in his head, Ollie Marmol got in his head and he's just kind of not checked out, but I don't think he's fully checked in with the way the Cardinal season has gone. And then your manager calling you out for not hustling. Maybe he could just Definitely. use a change of scenery. And I still do see a ton of talent in there. And Paul DeYoung is, is a serviceable big leaguer. So those two guys heading to San Francisco, what would it cost? I guess is my problem because I'm not truly sure, but I think those two pieces make a lot of sense for San Francisco. Right. I, I think we initially laughed at the message because you had Wisenhunt in that deal. And that would be like, a drastic. I if I'm Saint or if I'm San Francisco, I'm not moving Wiz and Hunt for anybody. Right phenomenal now. in the futures game. I was thinking like maybe would Carson Wiz and Hunt maybe by himself do it for those two big leaguers? And, Probably a little bit too much too. And and the thing is like he looks better than Kyle Harrison does this year. Just objectively better. Like he may 
w- could he hop Harrison Aram? Uh, it's possible. I mean, if Harrison keeps walking seven per nine, that, that's um, the, thing. But the craziest thing is this Kyle Harrison's a year younger than him in triple yeah, a. So I mean, and Kyle Harrison's strikeout numbers are still absurdity. So right. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if we'll ever fully, fully pass him, but he's definitely the second best arm in, in the system by a pretty this? good margin. We'll surround it around Reggie Crawford. Oh, right. They just I don't think the they want to move Crawford. Yeah. I, I think it would be more underwhelming than you think. I think it could be a Mason Black, Vaughn Brown, Heido Pomares trade. Yeah, I, I that'd be a lot, I think. But like, still. is that a needle mover? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, these, these prospects are good, but you're getting two MLB ready, obviously MLB ready players. You know, just, Tyler O'Neill does still, months, in my opinion, you- have all-star upside. What's hard for me is like how badly do the San Francisco Giants want to win in 23? Like we've talked about how much money they have coming off the books. Like they may just look at this like, hey, cool, we're winning. We're contending for a wild card spot. Just wait till 24 when we throw $800,000,000 at everybody. Yeah, but I think if you're a free agent too, do you want to go to a team that, you know, is clearing the books and maybe they make a bunch of moves next year? So I get what you're saying there, but think about like Texas got yeses from Corey Seager and Semyon in that same scenario. Books True. are clear, starting from scratch. You want to be a part of this? Yes. Yeah. I'm just I think Bednar I'm, could go. Bednar could go. Yeah. Yeah. Send him is, is, is Reggie Crawford so untouchable that just like a package just with him for those two guys is just way overdoing it? Like when he's it's a guy amazing. That, he's, he, they just drafted him in the first round off TJ and he's he just got promoted to high A. He's hitting and pitching. I think that, you know, they're, they're, they just invested a lot of money into him. Probably want to see what he can do. Uh, but I think Paul DeYoung's going to get his option decline next year. So you're going to get him for a couple months and decline the option. And then Tyler O'Neill, you would have for the rest of this year, assuming he's healthy, and then next year. But they also are attached to Mitch Hanniger, another often injured outfielder for the next several years as well. And they have a mutual on Conforto. Do we know? It's not a player. It's a mutual, right? I think it's a mutual. So it's it's a little crowded. But I do think if they did like Bednar and somebody else, I think that the the Cardinals would take that and run for Paul DeYoung and Tyler O'Neill at this point. It's a player at 18 for Conforto. And I think he might opt into one year. 18. He might opt into that. Yeah. He definitely will opt into that. Are you kidding me? That sounds great. Yeah. Another 18, I would love million. $18 million. Dollars. Yeah, that, that sounds great for a guy like Michael Conforto. Yeah. No, I'm just trying to think because they do need bats. Cardinals are willing to deal bats. Farhan said he said he would be aggressive. And maybe. Like you guys are much deeper into the prospect stuff. So I refer to your guys' opinion on each individual guy, whether he makes sense. I'm just looking at tiers of prospects and who potentially could make sense for a guy with all-star level upside and a Paul DeYoung, who's definitely better than Brandon Crawford is right now. And like if Farhan Zaidi didn't come out and say that he would be aggressive buyers, I wouldn't be looking to aggressively buy for the San Francisco Giants. But now I'm looking to aggressively buy. And those two guys immediately impact the lineup. It's just with you guys, it's tough. Every prospect's amazing. Well, I mean, we're you're not, yeah. you're not, you're not trading a 2022 first round pick for 
Holiday Young and Tyler O'Neill. Like I, we're I acting like Tyler O'Neill's chopped liver over here. He he kind of is. I don't think he's chopped liver. I think he's still I think, got a ton I think of his blood. value is lower than Dylan Carlson. By well, a yeah, lot. yeah. I mean, Dylan Carlson, you know, much younger, more years of control, and way less volatile too. Like Tyler O'Neill could strike out thirty five percent of the time, man. Yeah, but Tyler O'Neill's also the guy that could completely switch it around and be For the sure. all star caliber outfielder. It's kind of like. It's a big upside pick for the Giants. It's yeah. not quite swinging for the fences, but it could end up being that piece that puts you over the edge. Right. I, I just think the ship has kind of sailed. Like we had one good year from him, and that's it. He, he was, you know, bad in his 2019 stint. He was bad in 2020. He was good in tw- really good in 2021 while striking out 31% of the time, then bad last year and bad and hurt this year. So like, I got, I don't, I don't know if anybody really wants Tyler O'Neill at this point. Yeah. Yeah, but have you seen his body? Yeah, have you? He's so hot. I have. I have. <laughs> 70 WRC plus and eight AAA games as well. Yeah. Uh, he was striking out a billion times in Indy last week. It was it was fascinating. Um, Before we hop to arms next trade, Jared Kelnick broke his foot after kicking a water cooler last Dude. night, according to Ryan Divish. Dude. Are you serious? I mean- that's really yeah. bad. That's oh, really bad. I mean, do do we just sell Mariner stock at this point? I mean, what are we doing? I mean, they they're not even pitching well. <laughs> like the bullpen <laughs> is imploding. They're not hitting at this point. It's like we keep hyping them up. We keep hyping them up, and it's honestly when I say <laughs> we, it's mostly led by me. I've been uh, in. I when, was in too. I was no, in I too. Kirby, we, were, we were all in. And when oh. Kirby goes seven innings of one run ball tonight against Minnesota, I'm all the way back in. Yeah, but then Pablo goes seven innings to shut out because the Mariners can't hit the Twins. Right. And Colton Wong goes zero for four with five yeah, punch outs. It's like George Kirby's yeah. probably going to pitch great. Like <laughs> Luis Castillo pitched pretty well. They still lost six to three because Munoz came in and blew it. And Tom Murphy dropped the ball for a pass ball, and the Twins ended up winning. Thankfully for me, I was on Twins money like because I'm watching the Mariners and I'm like, <laughs> even with your best arms, like what your minus one sixty favorites. They're just not as good as I want them to be. And there I said it. They're not as good as I want them to be, Mariners fans. And your freaking lefty, who looked like Babe Ruth through April and May, has now started striking out all the time, and they just kicked a water cooler, and I broke his foot. Julio Rodriguez, I'm waiting. Ty France, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Waiting. Teoscar hey, Hernandez, Oscar. the league leaders in strikeouts. I'm waiting. waiting. Colton Wong. Is like it's not coming. With a bad hip up there hitting. <laughs> What's going on, Cal Raleigh? He does, he does kind of look at here. Oh, he does kind of look like me up there, honestly. Man, oh, all right, Aram. What's your next one? All right, yeah, dude, the Mariners are really ruining my day. Ruining um, my day. It's real. I'm with you on that, Peter. I took I, off my Mariners hat to put on my just baseball hat. <laughs> Um, I'm going to send Aaron Savali to the Arizona Diamondbacks because they just need, they just need some, some depth. They just need an arm. Uh, and and I think they need some control. So I'm sending Aaron Savali to the D backs, uh, going the other way. There's a few different ways we can workshop this one, but I think AJ Vukovic is a perfect trade chip. See, like uh, I like Vukovic too much. That's, that's too much. Well, you got multiple years of control. Multiple years of control with Savali. He's pitching really well this year. Um, I, I look at what the D backs could part with. I think Vukovic is a guy that's performing at a high level. You could move. 
Uh, maybe you mean win if it requires it, but he's kind of pitching out of his mind right now. Yeah. I'd move him in this deal. I would. But if, even if that's too much, you could do like a Justin Martinez, Slade Ciccone, uh, and then AJ Vukovic. Like a- any kind of combination of that. I think Ciccone's a guy that will really benefit from getting out of the PCL. And I think the Guardians could help unlock something with him. He's kind of a data darling pitcher, still just turned 24. I think Ciccone and Vukovic for Savali could get it done. Yeah, see, like this podcast isn't doing enough numbers right now. How about Corbin Carroll in exchange for Gavin Williams, Bo Naylor, and Jose Ramirez? Let's just fuck some shit up. That's what I was thinking. (laughs) I I think I think that's not sexy enough. So let's put Acuna on the Yankees. (laughs) For Andujar. Perfect. And Frazier. No, I think that's a good deal. I think it gets it done. I do you think you have to add Savali is a guy that honestly looked like a DFA candidate not long ago. Um yeah, I don't know Savali's value to be honest. Yeah, do, like do you think you need to add more than Vukovic? I don't think you do. I don't know, Peter. Where do you value Aaron Savali? I know you're 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 the you're our Guardians correspondent. I've watched way too many of their fucking games this year. That that's what I'm saying. So like, what, yeah. How much Aaron would you Saval- what would you give up for Aaron Savali on your team if you needed pitching? It's so funny. There's a part of me that would rather have Aaron Savali than Lucas Giolito. I mean, I think Aaron Savali is is just very safe. I think he gets you through innings. I don't think that's crazy. I yeah, think I he think just keeps the ball on the ground and he allows some soft contact and he's just he's just I can put my head on the pillow and know that Aaron Savali is pitching and I'm like I got a chance to win. I know I said that on the last podcast. Lucas Giolito, there's always the chance of just getting fucked on. Yes. Savali, there's way less of that chance. So I think he's actually going to garner a bigger return than we think because I think he's just a solid ass pitcher and kind of has been solid except for these like stretches where he looked obviously hurt like the stuff was down he didn't look like himself but he is looking like himself right now yeah I think Aaron Savali I like that you mentioned him arm because I think he might be the most underrated arm at this deadline that's going to get a bigger return than people might think well because to your point he's one of the only guys with control too that are probably going to get moved so you know i was looking at the reds and i'm like the reds aren't going to give up what they you know what's necessary to to get somebody like savali i think they want a rental and honestly i I know you look surprised with with that point by peter jack but like i actually agree giolito i don't feel good about every fifth day and i know he has better better peaks like the peaks are definitely better but I don't really need peaks as much if I'm the D-backs. I need someone to help me kind of get to the promised land. And then, you know, in the playoffs, just have an arm that I know if he has to come in or if he isn't going to to totally cook me when it comes to, you know, putting him in. Like, I know he's not going to just cook me. I can lean on somebody like Zach Gowan. I can lean on a healthy Merrill Kelly and go from there. I, I think it's Vukovic. And then with the control, I think Slade Ciccone. I, I'm going to stick with that one. I think that's a pretty... Pretty darn good return for for the D-backs, or excuse me, for the Guardians, because if they get a guy that can play all over, has been really producing offensively, really good athlete. He was a big-time football and basketball player in Vukovic. And then Ciccone, I'm telling you, they'll turn him into a four or five type pretty easily. And he's close to big league ready. So just another arm for them in the fold. Yeah, okay. Yes, and you guys sold me. I think that I was victim of sex appeal when it came to Giolito's name because Giolito was like really good at one point and yeah. Savali has never been really good at one point he's just been like yeah Savali no like yeah it's one of the most career. boring guys but like sometimes boring pays oh boring, yeah like give me five especially on the runs. hill exactly. especially on the mound 
just so safe and just pretty good. Like Gilito, yeah. I don't think his peaks are enough to like vault the Diamondbacks to another level, but yeah. his valleys could end up really hurting you. <laughs> so <laughs> some bad valleys. Best peak in baseball so far this year, probably Lance Lynn and his 16 punch <laughs> yeah. out performance, right? Seriously. Like the peaks are peaks are hot as fuck for Lance Lynn. Remember okay. that one game where the Mariner starters and bullpen all pitched well and they hit that one time? Yes. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, I bought it. Okay. Uh, my last one. We each have one more. Tim Anderson's on the move. Tim Anderson has to be on the move. Tim Anderson is a shell of the value of what he held coming into this year. I think this is the chance for one of the best teams in baseball to go at a shortstop. And I think the Dodgers are still perfect for Tim Anderson. Mm-hmm. I don't think they need to pay much at all. And I think the White Sox fans are going to be pissed. And I think that Rick Hahn is initially going to ask for a lot because of the name recognition of Tim Anderson and the Team USA second baseman, Tim Anderson. But that's not the Tim Anderson you're getting right now. And if there's any team that can take Tim Anderson and turn him back into that batting title guy, I think we know who it is. It's the team that turned Jason Hayward back into an 800 OPS guy. So TA to the Dodgers four. Frasso straight up. Yeah, this is one of those moves where I'm okay giving trash. And Frasso's not trash. Tim Anderson has been horrible. And not just, oh, you know, he's having a down year. He's been arguably baseball's worst player. Like, you do not have to give up much for him. And White Sox fans are like, oh, now we're going to sell him? <laughs> right? Like, not yeah. after he hit 330. Now we're going to sell but he's hitting 240? Ugh, White Sox fans, I'm sorry. And also... Yeah. Just uh, before we keep moving on, you know how we were slurping Spencer Strider? Six innings, four earned. Diamondbacks <laughs> are now winning 5-3. Gallon out dealing him. Was it a home run? Uh, let's home run? see exactly what happened. So the D-backs, home run by uh, Emmanuel Rivera. Three-run bomb off Strider. Or, oh, no, it might have been his just third of the year. We're not watching. Don't sue me. We got Emmanuel Rivera. Corbin Carroll off Kirby Yates. Whatever. He blew it. <laughs> I got to go. Also, plays, scoring plays right now. Dominic Canzone, first big league homer in the seven. It took until the seventh. Mm-hmm. Uh, bottom six, Gallon allowed a solo shot to Orlando Arcia. Canzone, first big league homer off, uh, yeah, off Strider. Um, that was wow. a three run shot. And then solo homer for Emmanuel Rivera, a hitter later. Wow. Yeah, wow, that's how he gets deep. killed, man. It's that's the only way. Yep. You got to catch one. Um, by the way, Ellie De La Cruz just threw a ball 99.8 miles per hour on a relay. On a relay. On a relay. Awesome. I hate just, the way Twitter sometimes just, acts about Ellie De La Cruz, not when he does good things. I think everybody, you know, rallies around those good things, except for some people. Like he'll do something and we'll tweet out like Ellie De La Cruz, look at this throw, how amazing it is. Just watch this clip. And people are like, yeah, I'll be struck out. The bat before, yeah. Shut up, no, dude. I like, agree. just shut up. Just watch the cool highlight, you dickhead. Yeah. I agree. I hate that. I agree. No, that that's that's a bad absolute facts. You you think Anderson for Frasso is fair? I almost think it's an overpay. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna I what honestly about think Rojas? it's an overpay. If, Rojas I, for Tim Anderson. I, I'm gonna give you the same <laughs> treatment that I just gave Peter. I honestly think that's an overpay. Um. <laughs> Because, like, honestly, Frasso is seen by some as, like, a top 100 guy. And who is taking on T.A.? 
Like who wants a team that doesn't need him? Frankly, who else is? So if I offer, if I offer Landon Knack, who's beating it? Who's coming in and beating my offer? Probably the fucking Mets. (laughs) I just spit almost spit out my water because we're talking about in 2023 that a guy who almost is a top 100 is an overpay for Tim Anderson. Like just yeah. the free fall. I know that's I know is so sad. And also the the uh, the other point, and I'm really glad that we've had these conversations because like I've been just digging into this for months now. I think it's really good that we've just had these thought exercises because I don't think people realize most of these assets aren't that good at the trade deadline. No. Like it's good players that can help you, but from a pure trade value perspective, Nobody. most of these guys aren't worth much because they're either underperforming they're hurt or they don't have control or all of it. And so you're in a spot here where like, I, I I know we're wired to like trade top prospects, but I actually think this is going to be one of the deadlines where notable players will get moved, but the returns are going to be ass and everyone's gonna be like, what the hell? And you know what? The more I think about this, the more I think these notable players, GMs are going to get on the phone and the GMs are going to be like arm and be like, we're not going to give you what you want. And nothing's going to fucking happen. Like, everyone gets so excited every trade deadline. Like, Otani's going to get traded. I'm probably going to pitch an Otani trade. And next thing we know, he's just not traded because Artie Moreno. I'm going to talk about it in a little bit. But a lot of these guys just don't get moved. Like, Aaron Savali gets moved. And that that's the deadline. And Jason Foley. Like, a lot of teams unload bullpen arms. And, like, that's it. Like, that's sometimes what happens at these deadlines is that a lot of top players are put in articles for clicks. One of them gets traded. A couple of three, four starters gets traded and a couple of big bullpen pieces get traded for actual good prospects. And then we react to them and we're like, why would they trade that prospect? That prospects ends up being good. And then that's the trade deadline. So it's fun to talk about and, you know, throw rumors out there. But really what we're left with at most trade deadlines is a fuck ton of nothing. It's normally what happens. Yeah. So we my turn talking Peters. about an Otani trade because I have yeah that. yeah but now <laughs> let's let's segue to the trade of the best player of all time. <laughs> yeah, do you want to save the Otani one for last? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. So Aram, you go. So this is this is a rental move too, but this will probably be one of the most expensive rental moves out there, and I think there's a team that can justify it very easily. I know the Padres are playing better right now, and yeah. I just I'm, I'm I want to see them kind of fall apart so that this trade can go down because this trade would amp me up Blake Snell to the Orioles. I I just, I would love that more than anything. And I think with with where the Orioles are at in terms of how they're performing this season on top of the fact that their system is so damn good. I think they can pay for the steepest rental. Like if you're the reds, you're not paying for the steepest rental. If you're, you know, some of these other teams that are playing well, uh, even the giants, like you're not paying for the steepest rental. I really think it makes sense for the O's and they can even consider extending him. He's going to be a free agent. Again, it's another trial period for the Orioles. I would love to see the O's go get Snell and give up. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what a couple months of one of the guy that's pitching, like one of the best pitchers in baseball may look like. It's ultimately just going to be a bidding war. But if I offer Connor Norby and, you know, a, a solid mid-level prospect, is, is anyone going to top that for a couple months of Blake Snell? Would you do Norby and McDermott? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know who's topping that. I don't think anyone really could. And the Orioles wouldn't even feel it. Not 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 even remotely. They might not forget that they made the trade. It's like, oh shit. They still those won't two? do it. They still won't do it. Knowing the Orioles. Even though that makes total sense that they should. 
They'll say, no, it's two months. We don't. Too much. You know, we're building for the future here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like McDermott and, and Norby is a great return for a rental. Like unbelievable return. We're talking about a guy that in Norby that could play second base for them tomorrow uh, if they needed it. And, you know, you're, you're seeing somebody like, uh, why am I drawing a blank now? Oh, Jake Cronenworth struggling like pretty badly. I think they could just yeah. use another solid infield bat. We'll see if they're going to retain. Uh, we'll see if they retain Hassam Kim after this year. But again, I think it's just good to get a good bat and just a solid prospect. But even if it's not Norby, like you could interchange a lot of different other, you know, prospects that are kind of in that range. Yeah. Judd Fabian maybe of interest. There's you several think they other would move guys. Fabian? I think they could, especially after drafting, drafting somebody in the, that plays the outfield as well. Uh, you know, I think that that yeah. kind of makes it feel a little bit better. They went out and you know they've they've drafted several outfielders, Dylan Beavers, and then I don't know. I just feel like I feel like they're kind of fine in the outfield. So especially after drafting Bradfield, they might just be fine. And and they're loaded out there right now. Could be a good time to cash in on Fabian, and you know, but it might be a lot for a rental. Otani time? Yep. Sure. So I have two teams that we've talked about before that I want to workshop what they could do. But I want to kind of talk about what I've been hearing about the Otani trade in general. So Artie Moreno, the owner of the Los Angeles Angels, says that he does not want to trade Otani to the Dodgers. He has come out and he has basically said, we are not trading him to our neighbor. We're just not going to do it. Right. And I even saw, even if it like impacts the team more, even if they could give the best offer, they just don't want to trade him to the Dodgers. So I kind of took the Dodgers out of the equation. Another team that we talked about, the Rangers, I cannot see them trading Shohei Otani within the division. I just cannot see it. Right. The Yankees have been floated. The Yankees suck. (laughs) They're not fucking trading for Otani. They just aren't. If they do, I'm. I would love that would be the most love of being wrong of all time. You guys would <laughs> fucking boo him after a week. I yeah, know. Boo him after a week. He'd give I him like two that. runs and six innings and we boo him off the field. He'd probably want to leave and never resign anyway. So he's not getting traded to the Yankees. So two, who are the two other teams that make a lot of sense? The Giants and the Rays. And we could definitely workshop those two teams. But I got a plums pick. I got a classic Peter Apple. Ain't going to happen but it's a damn fun conversation and it kind of makes sense. The Philadelphia Phillies. Oh, and I'll tell you why. So first Dave Dombrowski is a crazy man. Yeah. And he, he doesn't give a shit about leveraging the farm and giving up for a big piece like Otani. Like I bet Dave Dombrowski is sitting in his office right now and being like, nobody's talking about us. And he's just, (laughs) there's something brewing in that stomach of his, and to add Otani to the fold with this Phillies team that is just on the rise, that could be one of the things where it's like, yeah, we made it to the World Series. We're trying to win this shit this year. So I could see Dave Dombrowski. And remember, Dave Dombrowski does things that nobody ever expects. And he just overpays. And it doesn't make a lot of sense when we're talking about logical things. No, I'm in and on this one. that history there between Dombrowski and the Angels. They've made a bunch I'm of in. trades before. So. Who are the players that would be involved? And remember, if I'm Dave Dombrowski, we got to think inside the brain of Dombrowski. He's overpaying. And I'm a guy, (laughs) when we're doing these mock trades, I'm always overpaying anyway. 
So yeah. Dombrowski and I could definitely go get a beer. We talk about trading everybody <laughs> under the sun for Shohei Otani. So who would be those prospects? Painter is getting Tommy John, and I just don't think the Phillies would trade him. And I no, think no. I, I'm putting him out of there. But it has to start with Mick Abel. It just does. Like Mick Abel, another top pitching prospect. And if Aaron Nola leaves in free agency – I mean, the Phillies, like, Dombrowski will give Otani, like, $700 trillion. I truly think that he might end up doing that. Does it make sense? Again, probably not. Does Dombrowski do things that don't make a lot of sense? Absolutely. And it works. They go to the World Series. So I'm thinking Mick Abel, and then this is where I need your guys' help. But if the Phillies were to trade for Otani, Mick Abel, like, would they put Griff McGarry in there? And then would it be a guy like Rojas, who's an outfielder, who's 22 years old? Yeah, I think that was actually good. That was pretty solid. I, it's so much. It's so much, so but much. it has to be. It has to be. For a rental. But, like, it's it's the greatest player in team sports. I, I yeah. said that on Twitter, and people were like, what about Connor McDavid? Connor McDavid, yeah, is he the greatest goalie in hockey? Oh, he does, he's not even a goalie. He doesn't move exactly. the needle. Exactly. No, I'm saying if he was also the one of the best yeah. goalies yeah. in hockey. Yeah. Right. Like it's not Giannis. It's not Jokic. It's not Mahomes. It's it Shohei Otani. It might Mahomes, be Jokic. Mahomes. Is, no, no, no. Because <laughs> how's Jokic's defense? How's how's Mahomes' ability to play cornerback or linebacker? This is the greatest player in team sports. So it is a rental. And Dombrowski just feels like that dude that nobody's talking about. I'm like, we got it. We got to bring him up somehow because there's <laughs> no way that he isn't considered. Yeah, we we have had him. Draft. It's way too quiet. It's a good Wait. point. Like we've mocked nobody to the Phillies. They're playing good ball. They're in the hunt. They're gonna do some shit. Yeah. Like Dabrowski's probably itching to give up Ben Brown for Robertson again. Like <laughs> yeah. he's itching yes. to do something like that. Uh, who Jack just saw shove the other day. By shove. The way. There's a chance uh, Dabrowski doesn't even know who Mick Abel is. He's just a yeah. name on a piece of paper, and he's like, "Oh yeah, he's got great numbers. Perfect. Let's give him for Dude. let's give him for Otani." He's like George Steinbrenner. That's what I miss with the Yankees, Cashman's like, oh, our eighth and ninth ranked prospects are pretty close. Fucking shut up, nerd. Trade <laughs> some of these prospects for big-time guys. That's why I like Dombrowski, and I'm a Phillies guy now. Okay, so do you think Perry Manassian would do this? I'll give you Otani, but I need Abel. I don't want other prospects, though. I want a big leaguer. Mm. Give me Mick Abel and Bryson Stott for Otani. I was thinking that, and that just made my stomach turn because I love Bryson Stott. And like, were that man. Josh Harrison's your second baseman in the World Series? I mean, maybe Josh Harrison's been in some so, great rundowns. Sosa is your second yeah. baseman in the World Series. Yeah. Schwarber. Yeah. You put Schwarber. Schwarber there. can play second. Yeah. 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 Actually, no, no you, you would put Schwarber back Schwarber behind the dish. Short. Yeah. Schwarber at catcher. As soon Harper as Harper's second. UCL is fine, put him at third and put yeah. Boehm at short. Fuck it. We're just going to hit. Yeah, we'll give <laughs> him some runs. We just got to out hit him. J- JT was drafted as a shortstop. Maybe they could stick him there. Um, Do you think, like, I could I could absolutely see Perry Manassian doing that and saying, like, we need a big leaguer. Would it be? I mean, do you think, uh, no, they won't, like. But I think Ro- I'm, Rojas I'm just looking is... at the rotation. Like, if the Angels want an arm to ready now, like, it's not Nolo Wheeler. It, like It's not Suarez. They, I know it's not Suarez either. It's not Taiwan, not Taiwan Walker, obviously. It's not, it's it Christopher Sanchez. That ain't, that ain't pushing the button. So I was like, is it Ranger? No. Because, no. So it has to be these prospects. 
And I don't know, like we can workshop the Rays and the Giants, right? They could actually make an offer that makes sense for the podcast, help us sleep at night, be like, oh, we were so safe with that one. Great job, boys. You know what I'm saying? But I think the Phillies could really make a splash here. It's just, it's one of those teams that's too damn quiet right now. Well, I will say this too. Mick Abel's a really talented arm and top 100 prospect, no doubt. But he's not like in this tier of his own. Like Andrew Painter, even without the Tommy John, like I'm not trading him in in, in a Otani rental deal because Painter is was right there with Yuri. They were neck and neck. And if it's Painter like the Orioles the trading league, Holiday in an Otani trade, yeah, it's, it's just like it's it just doesn't seem like it makes enough sense unless you're getting a superstar for four or five years. So you know, if, if it was a Soto deal, then then we're talking. But Abel is struggling with command. Like the numbers have still not been that great. He could figure it out and be a really good starter, but there, there's still plenty of risk there. Like there's a chance that you might not even think about it at all in a couple of years. If you move Abel and McGarry's another guy with horrible command, by the way. Uh, and but then nasty. Rojas, like those are three guys that, you know, for the angels to get that for a rental phenomenal. That, that's great. Abel is instantly their best pitching prospect. And you've got, you know, two other pieces that are, are big for you. And Rojas could end up playing center field for you as Trout maybe starts to slow down and move elsewhere and DH a lot. So, well, Mickey Moniak's better that, than Trout now. Yeah. Yeah. Moniak is legitimately better. But also, one more note on this, Peter. Former the Philly, line of by communications the way. here, the line of communications here, they've traded together. Perry yeah. and Dombrowski specifically worked out a trade that most teams would not agree to. You know how hard it is to get your prospect for my prospect? We talk about that all the time. Or your youngster for my youngster? I always like my youngster more than your youngster. And if I don't like my youngster more than your youngster, then I'm wary because I'm like, what do you know that I don't? So that Marsh for Ohapi swap, I mean, there, there's some amicability here. So I'm I'm like, this is your some of your best galaxy brain work, Peter. One of them's got a hit. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, should we fly through like a raise? one yeah like the, the Rays, Rays actually doing make that? the most sense but I keep thinking to myself like are the Giants you know according to you guys every Giants prospect is the best player of all time so I can't trade any of those False. the Rays that's the same hunt. thing no no that's how I heard it so that's how I'm thinking about it <laughs> so the Rays their top prospects no way they can all get traded because they're all going to be perennial all-stars too so the Rays and Giants technically can't trade anybody according to you guys yeah nerds Brian Cashman um, over here Otani, yeah. Otani to Tampa. This is just off the dome. Otani to Tampa for Wander. Yes, <laughs> Wander, Arosa Reina, and uh, McClanahan. Yes. Um, Otani Finally. to Tampa for Aranda, Basabe, and Ronnie Simon. Is that too much? Yeah, people just logged off the show. Yeah, that's pretty ass. <laughs> That's pretty ass compared to the Phillies offer. I know. Uh, like it would have to be Mead. And uh, then Mead would have to be in there. Then it'd be like Garanda, Mead, and then a piece. And that's honestly pretty damn good. Junior Caminero, we saw him in the Futures game. No. That dude is a fucking no. train. No, I'm just talking about him. Oh, yeah. No, he's, he's a oh, yeah. train engine. He's, <laughs> he, he's unbelievable. He's he, like a, just another Yandi, except he, he play better defense. I mean, he, and he's dude, what, fucking 19 and he looks like that. Dude's a truck. The Rays got him for Tobias Myers from the Guardians. You just made up that name. <laughs> He's pitching. Tobias Myers was was a forty. It was a forty man situation, which is really funny. So the Guardians were like, "Let's let's move an arm because we need to clear up some forty man space." And 
legitimately just like, I just, or excuse me, the Rays were like, let's move an arm. We need the 40 man space. And the Guardians are like, oh, we'll take an arm. We'll give you a lower level flyer here. You can take Junior Caminero. Like that's who they asked for. And, and now he's the top five prospect in baseball. Uh, Tobias Myers is now pitching in double A, not even triple. Uh, so kind of shows you what's up there. I mean, they could I, trade I think, Carson Williams, right? Shortstop, they, what? They, they've yeah. locked up Wander for 30 it, years. Yeah, yeah. I, I love Carson Williams, but in an Otani deal, 100%. You do a Ronda, Carson Williams, and then you can probably keep Mead instead, who fits more into it yeah. positionally. You can play third or first or whatever. You trade Carson Williams and a Ronda and like Mason Montgomery, that's a really damn good offer, I think. I agree. And then the, you want to workshop the Giants real quick? Because the Giants are another team where I don't see so, any reason why they couldn't. So the reason why I think the Giants should do it is I think they're going to pay. Like, I think they're going to make one of the best offers. We've talked about I how like, they've been trying to pay Judge. They've been, they tried to pay Correa. And if you give up the prospect capital, it helps you this year. But you also buy that negotiating window for a couple months where you, know, you could kind of get a head start on trying to lock up Otani before he hits free agency. I don't know if he'd be willing to negotiate through the next couple months, but there's a chance and you'd have that negotiating window. Now I'm trading Reggie Crawford, Peter. Now now Reggie Crawford can go. I don't know. Uh, he's he, hitting and he was a first rounder. Yeah. He can kick <laughs> rocks now. Yeah. <laughs> For Paul oh, just, DeYoung and, and Tyler O'Neill? No. Just, just, Otani, just curious. Just curious. Who would you who would the the Cardinals need to give the Giants to Reggie Crawford. Because I'm a Tyler O'Neill and I ain't afraid to say it. I just am. All right? Carlson so, or Arenado? Oh, Reggie Crawford I would do that good. Reggie Crawford for Carlson. Yeah. Reggie Crawford for Carlson. I think even a little bit more, slightly more. Reggie Crawford right. in like a lower level piece. Okay. I, no, I, I would prefer Dylan Carlson over Tyler O'Neill. I just, there's something in there. And maybe it's the body. Maybe I'm yeah, just looking is. at him too much. The pheromones are kicking your ass. They are. I, I fall into it. I'm a I'm a Dabrowski guy. Dude, I fall in love. Could you imagine the episode when whoever acquires Tyler O'Neill, like he goes Mannyville in Los Angeles, uh, like like Manny Ramirez did and hits 400 for like two months, and Peter's gonna come back on the podcast and just say fuck you. I no, will. You know what's gonna happen? Let you forget it. San Francisco yeah. is gonna go get Tyler O'Neill for Carson Wisenhunt straight up, and he's gonna come back and flip the bird when we hop on Zoom. And Carson Wisenhunt is gonna <laughs> suck for the Cardinals. <laughs> yes. Yes. Be Libertor 2.0. <laughs> yeah. No, but let's ah. let's finish the Giants for Otani deal just real quick. So it would probably be. I mean, it would have to be it's a, it's Shohei Otani. Kyle Harrison, see you later. Or Carson Wisenhunt, see you later. This is Shohei Otani we're talking about. Reggie Crawford? Come on. Would you do would you do Harrison and Crawford for Otani? Yeah. Yeah. I think and that's then some. Ah, uh, no, I think those two. Then he's going to Dombrowski because Dombrowski is overpaying. That's fine. Yeah. I I do Luciano and 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 Wizenhunt even, like I do two of some of those. That's guys. a that's a better return than Harrison and Crawford. Luciano and Wizenhunt. That's as high as I'd go. That's better. It's as high as I'd go. But okay. then Dabrowski would be like, "Fine, we'll give you Bryce Harper. Fuck it." <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you could get Stott too. Man, all right, take us out, baby boy. Absolutely. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. This was trade deadline predictions. Some galaxy brains. Some actual. Uh, good predictions from Jack Arm and I. 
We're brought to you by the king of sportsbooks. That is BetMGM. Remember to use promo code just baseball. And I'm definitely looking at that Rays Orioles series. If we want to look at some division futures, keep your eye on there and at least use some bonus bets towards that. Uh, the best way to support the just baseball show is to get yourself some just baseball merch. You want galaxy brain, get yourself a galaxy hat. They're in our episode description. We got a ton of new merch. So just go check it out. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to rate and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts five stars. And then in the YouTube comments, tell me if I'm being an idiot or tell me if I kind of fired you up a little bit. Did I fire you up? Come on. Don't say that I didn't fire you up, ladies and gentlemen. That's what I'm here for, right? They're going to give you the actual stuff. I'm here to fire you up. Uh, Anything else that we got to end on? Oh, yeah, games of the week. There are games of the weekend. Oh, um, nah, screw it. Screw it. (laughs) We were going to be all right about them anyway. So for that, Jack, Aram, we'll be back on Monday. And with that, thank you. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.